Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Twas the week after Christmas and all through the house, nothing would fit me, not even a blouse. The cookies I nibbled, the eggnog I taste at the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there rose such a number. When I walked to the store, less a walk than a lumber. I remember the marvelous meals I prepared, the gravies and the sauces and beef nicely reared, the wine and the rum balls, the bread and the cheese, and the way I never said, no thank you, please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt, I prepared once again to do battle with the dirt. I said to myself, as only I can, you can't spend a winter disguised as a man. So away with the last of of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip, every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all the additional ounces have vanished. I wouldn't have a cookie, not even a lick. I'll want only to chew on a long celery stick. I won't have hot biscuits, cornbread, or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore. But isn't that what January's for? Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all, and to all, a good diet. I think it's kind of funny. Lord, we love you today. God, we bless you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people agree and said, take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book of Nehemiah. You will find it right after Ezra and right before Esther. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll be happy to run one to you really quickly. Really quickly, of course you need a Bible. We always need a Bible. Amen, saints? Okay, so January, here we are, people making New Year's resolutions. January, in my humble opinion, is the most hopeful month of the year. People hoping to get in shape. Gym membership is going to go up. The gyms love this time of year. They really do. If you're a consultant at a gym you know. And uh, people hoping to, you know, start drinking more water, stop drinking. Don't say amen. (laughs) All kinds of things people are hoping for. And, um, you know, I I just would hope that uh, even as we begin a new year, that your hope is that you would spend more time with Jesus this year. And that your hope would be to spend 
more time in the Word of God. I don't know that, you know, you can spend too much time in the Bible. I really don't. I think that uh, it's certainly needed. As we get to chapter 8 in the book of Nehemiah, and by the way, Nehemiah is the shortest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. It's going to be a long day, people. It's going to be a long day. So the people, get this, give me your attention, they are coming back or have come back from Babylonian captivity after 70 years. And uh, the people are back in their homeland and they are excited and they are hopeful as they read the word of God, as they get back to the word of God. Now, let me give you a outline that we're going to work from today. If you've got a pen, you might want to jot these down, talking about hopeful and getting back to the Word of God. The people, they had a desire, number one, we're going to talk about in verse one, to hear the Word of God. They were excited and they had a desire to hear the Word of God. And then in verses two through three, we'll find that there was an importance placed on the Word of God. It was an importance placed on the word. And then thirdly, the people had a respect for the word. You'll find that in verses five through eight. They had a desire to hear the word and importance was placed on the word. The people had a respect for the word. And then finally, we'll talk about the people had a proper response to the word. You'll find that in verse nine of our text. Desire to hear the word, importance placed on the word respect for the word, and then finally, a proper response to the word. That's what we're going to talk about. That's our outline. I titled this sermon, People of the Book. That's what I'm hoping for in this coming year. Amen, saints? In the word. Nehemiah chapter 8, we pick up our study in verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. Would you underline that? In front of the water gate. That's important. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could do what, saints? Hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it. In the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could what? Understand all and all the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they made for the purpose. And beside him at his right hand stood a bunch of guys. Then in verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, what did the people do? He stood up, respect, honor for God's word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the God, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, the Pentecostal charismatic bunch while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads. No, they lifted up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. 
and a bunch of guys. You can take these names if you like. Help the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. And so in verse 8, very important, they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense. And they helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn, do not weep. For all the people wept when they heard the Bible taught. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat. See, today we say cut the fat. They say eat the fat. Drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, are you looking at it in verse 10? If you look at it in verse 10, say amen. amen. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow for what does it say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So, the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still. The day is holy and do not grieve. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and so to send portions and to rejoice greatly because, why did they rejoice? Because they understood the words that were declared unto them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Chapters 1 through 6 of Nehemiah, what you will find if you go back and read on your own time, you'll find the focus of chapters 1 through 6 is the reconstruction and the rebuilding of the torn down walls of Jerusalem. Chapter 6, verse 15 tells us, so the walls were finished. So chapters 1 through 6 deal with the rebuilding of the walls. Beginning here in chapter 8, we go from rebuilding the walls to the rebuilding of the people. Now, don't miss this. Whenever we talk about rebuilding of the people, rebuilding of people, we are talking about revival. Revival. Now, the word revival, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. This word revival comes from two Latin words, re meaning again, and vivo or vivo, which means to live. Thus, the word revival means to live again, to live again. A lot of talk in the church today about revival, a lot of songs being written about revival praying the Lord would revive our country, revive us again, O Lord. If you look through church history, you will find that revival, are you listening? You will find that revival always begins, look through biblical and church history, you will find that revival always begins with the Word of God. You cannot have a true spiritual revival apart from the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Revival, listen, does not begin with powerful preaching. Although you receive that every week. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. Revival does not begin with huge crowds of people. Revival does not begin 
with, in 1908 with the Azusa Street revival when people began speaking in tongues. Revival does not begin with week-long church services with special guest speakers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. I was a new Christian. I remember we used to have revival. I'll just tell you, it was a black Pentecostal church. And when we went to church, we had a good time. We had a good time. We went to revival. Anybody been to revival? Anybody been to revival at all? Okay, good. That's about half of you guys. Okay. Well, I talked to the other half. We went to revival. We had revival week. We had guest speakers and guest choirs, guest preachers, and you know, we had a good time. I mean, we you know we danced in the spirit and ran around the church and swung from the ceiling. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. We had a good time in church. I remember leaving church, I thought, I don't feel revived, I feel tired. <laughs> church was a workout. And you know, we think revival begins with these things, but listen, the true spiritual revival begins with the Word of God. You know, it reminds me of Habakkuk, and, and, and Habakkuk is ministering during the days of King Josiah and Jehoiakim. And, and, and King Josiah was eight years old, get this, when he came to the throne. Can you imagine an eight-year-old king when he came to the throne? At the age of 16, Josiah began to seek the Lord, and he got sold out for Jesus. At the age of 20, the temple, the Bible teaches us, was filled with pornography on the walls of the Holy of Holies because of Manasseh. And Josiah decided to do a remodeling job. So while remodeling, he found a copy of the Torah or the law of God, the word of God, in the corner of the wall. As Manasseh tried to destroy all the copies of the law, but get this, there was one copy left. I think that's a God thing. There's one copy stuck in the corner of the temple, and the book was uncovered. And as Josiah read it, he realized that they need to get back to the Bible. So they need to get back to the feast, and, they, and, and, and thus there was a great revival as a result of getting back to the Word of God. There is always and will always be a great revival when people get back to the Word of God. So here the people get back in the land. Are you listening? And they say to Ezra, they say, Ezra, go get the book. Ezra, go get the Word of God. Number one in our outline, the people had a desire to hear the word of God. The people were hungry for God's word. Now, remember, they've been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years, so they really haven't heard the word of God. When they get back in the land, the first thing they want to do is hear the word of God. So they they ask Ezra to get the word and to read it to them. And did you notice in verse 1, would you go back and look at it again? Notice in verse 1, the people were gathered together as one man. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God's word is a great unifier. God's word is a great leveler. God's word puts everybody on the same level. The reality is it doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you have. God's word is a great unifier. We're all sinners. We all need a savior. Amen? Amen. Makes everybody one. God, God puts everybody on the same plane when it comes to his word. So the people gathered together as one man. I found that to be interesting. And they had a desire to hear the word. They were hungry for the word of God. What a great New Year's resolution. God, this year I want to be more hungry for your word than I was last year. 
You know, we get to making all these New Year resolutions. We'll read more books. We're going to lose some weight. We're going, some guys want to gain some muscle. Some people want to get married. Some people want to get unmarried. How about this? Lord, I want to be hungry for your word. And they were hungry. They were ready to hear the word of God. That's the way you got to come to church. Listen, you got to come to church ready to hear from God. I have found if you come to church and you are not ready to hear from God and you don't desire or you're not like, you know, posturing yourself in, the, in this place of expectancy to hear from God, you probably won't hear from God. But if you come to church and you say, God, I'm hungry. I want to hear what you have to say. Lord, I'm listening. God, I am all ears. The Bible tells tells us the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers. Literally, that means that God is like leaning down with his ears kind of perked and wanting to hear you pray. And we need to be that when we come to church. That, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I come almost sitting on the edge of my seat. If you come with a desire to hear from God, listen, guess what will happen? You will hear from God. You will get a word from God. I honestly have never really sat in a sermon and got nothing out of it. People leave church and, oh, that wasn't for me, that was for them. No, it was for you. That's why you were there and they weren't. (laughs) Hello? You know, some wives sitting there, I wish he could hear that. He need to hear that. Oh, I'm going to get him 10 CDs because he need to hear that. No, you need to hear it. That's why you were here and he wasn't. This whole CD thing is not of God. <laughs> I'm killing myself here. But we need to hear, desire to hear from God. We need to be hungry as the people were hungry to hear from God. And I do find it very interesting, just kind of a side note and worthy of noting, if you will. Did you notice where they gathered in verse one? They gather in front of the what? Water gate. And of course, in the Bible, listen, you've been around here at Calvary Chapel long enough, you know that in the Bible, washing water is a symbol or a picture of the word of God. John chapter 15, verse three, Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of the water by the word of God. I find it interesting they gathered to hear the word in front of the water gate. Very interesting. Point number two in our outline, the people had an importance or a reverence. A reverence and importance was placed on the word in verses two and three. We just read it. Go ahead and peruse it again, if you will. As Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and watch this, he brought it before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with what, saints? Understanding. The implication, listen, is those who could not understand were not there. Verse 3 makes it more clear, I think. They read in the open square in front of the water gate from morning until midday before men and women and those who could understand. You see, the thing that we need to note here is all who gathered to hear the word could understand what was being taught. And all who could not understand were not there. That's why we have children's church. Because children really cannot understand, if you will, what I'm saying. I'm 
talking about Greek words and Nehemiah. What does a three-year-old care about that? So we have children's church. Now, there's some people who have accused us here at Calvary Chapel of being unloving and legalistic toward children. Because we encourage parents, when you come to church with your children, take them to children's church. And sometimes, you know, a parent might be in a sanctuary with their child, and kids being kids, they'll start, you know, tearing up the Bibles and making airplanes out of chapter 7, Nehemiah. (laughs) Kids being kids, or maybe, you know, they they need a little attention or whatever. An usher has to say, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, can you take your kid to the family room or to children's church or something like that? People are like, oh, you... Calvary Chapel people, you legalistic. Jordan, what about the kids? You don't want kids and families sitting together. You're against the family. You're against the children. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. I heard it all. (laughs) Well, ma'am, we are suffering the children to come to Jesus. We want them to go to children's church. We're giving them the opportunity. You see, we place great importance on children here at this church. If you know that, would you clap your hands? If you know that. Great importance on children, great importance on youth, and we believe that it's important, it is, listen to me, very important that children come to church and they have a good experience when they come to church. Kids should be allowed to be children at church, not bring them in the sanctuary, and because they're not listening to Pastor Ronnie, drone on. (laughs) Why did I say that about myself? Because they're not listening to me. You know, you know, a lot of people associate church with pain. I mean, they do. They get old enough, they go, you know what, I'm not going to church. Why? Because whenever I think of church, I think of pain. Because I had to sit in the sanctuary when I was a little kid and listen to that pastor preach, and the whole time I was getting slapped and popped and beat. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you're just sitting there, you're just doing what you do, and that's be a child. And, you know, you're not, you know, you're doing what kids do. And you're like, stop it. <laughs> Sit down. Shut up. It's like, boy, don't make me beat you know, all this in church. <laughs> you know, and then you know it's bad when you start bowling your fists up your kid in church. You know what I mean? You're like, what? Listen to the pastor. Listen to the pastor. Well, you're not even listening to the pastor. <laughs> you understand? So people really got traumatized in church. Because church was not fun for children. I, I see kids here at Calvary Chapel. I'll, I'll see them walk by. Hi, hi, Pastor Ronnie. Hi. Do you enjoy church? Yeah. I, I'll ask them, was it fun? Yeah. What'd you learn about Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, Johnny. You learned about Jesus. But it's important I think for children to have a good experience. And so we, we have a budget. We have a great children's ministry where we send them, because not because we want to separate the families, not because we don't care about children. We do that because we do care about children. Amen. And we care that they learn on their level. And what happens is when they go to church and they start learning about Jesus on their level, and then they get the fourth or fifth of the tweeners age. And you know our fourth and fifth graders are doing verse-by-verse study? At fourth and fifth grade, and then they go through junior high, then they go through high school, then they leave home, praise God, they leave home, 
praise God, and they don't come back, and they leave home. Then they go to church, and now they want to go to church. Now church is something they want to do. You know, we have five children and seven grandchildren, and, and my, my, my youngest is 21. And sometimes she may go stay with a brother, go stay with her sister, usually with her sister, on the weekend, or maybe stay, you know, wherever. But I never have to think, are they going to show up at church on Sunday morning? None of my children, none of them, because I raised them in church, because they came up in church, and they didn't come to church, and church is not associated with pain for them. Church is associated with, hey, I need to go to church because that's where Jesus is. I need to go to church because I love the Lord. I need to go to church because church is a good place to be. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.